Hi there, and welcome to Polyamory Uncensored, a podcast where we, your hosts, Lindsay Miller and Katie Williams, interview a poly person each episode, and we try to answer the five points of journalism. Who, what, when, where, and why, as it pertains to our poly lives. You're listening to episode 28, where we chat with Janelle. Stay tuned as we delve into the good, the bad, the ugly, and the just plain complicated truths about our poly lives. All right, so Janelle, who are you? I am Janelle, yes. I am many things. I'm a mom of five. I'm a feminist. I'm a full-time student. Um, I'm bi, I'm poly, and I'm Christian. Okay. Yeah, so those are... Those are All of the <laughs> that is a lot of identity. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, so what drew you to polyamory? So... I actually, when I was like 18, had a conversation with a partner of mine who now we're really good friends, um, and we discussed it. Um, she had been in some poly relationships in the past, and I was like, oh, that makes sense. And then I, I call it like my decade of like repression. Like I kind of <laughs> got into that area where I really tried to be quote unquote normal. I had kids and felt like I had to be this certain person and all that kind of stuff. So I, I went away from that. I had a really bad relationship. Well, <laughs> a relationship that became very toxic for like 10 years. And during that time, I, I was uh, cheated on, um, like emotional. I, I don't to this day know or care if there's anything physical, but there's a lot of emotional cheating. And so that made me really get down into like thinking about like emotional connection and stuff like that. And when I met my current partner, we were we were monogamous for like three years. And then just some, through some conversation, it became something earlier this year that we talked about. And, and I had done some like poly solo stuff between my ex and my current partner um, that was pretty cool. And... Yeah, it just made sense. And so, like, the more we kind of go into it and the more that we talk about it, it feels like it's who I've always been. Like, I'm still kind of learning some of – I feel like it's a lot of jargon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For sure. Uh, so it's just been something that we've kind of talked about, and it just it feels like it's kind of who I've always been, and now I just have language to talk about it. Nice. Yeah. yeah. So what does polyamory mean to you? I look at it as – the ability like no artificial boundaries on relationships with other people so uh, i have a nesting partner we have kids we have all of that and we've that's you know he, he is the person who like we've committed to build our physical lives together um but it doesn't mean that i don't have deep relationships and love for other people being open to it like i feel like when i was monogamous i put a lot of artificial boundaries in place i didn't go places alone with you know people who I wasn't like in, in express platonic relationships with because I didn't want to build gray area because I was never like cheating to me was always like the worst thing you could do because it's a betrayal and that, that on, the dishonesty thing. So I just like really built in on myself and relied way too much on whoever my current partner was for all of my social interaction and like everything. That sounds exhausting. It was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It was. I was not happy and the relationships were never good because of it or any of that stuff. So you kind of get into a space now where I'm like, huh, you know, I want to go do something really girly nerdy instead of dragging along my, you know, my male partner. And now I can find someone who really enjoys that. And if we want to cuddle afterwards, that's great. And, you know, it just kind of goes beyond there. So. Mm-hmm. So what, if anything, do you find difficult about polyamory? So far... It's been really healing for me, honestly. Like, I, I think sometimes sometimes there's emotional labor in dealing with your partner's emotions that I think would be there, but, but a lot of times it's not discussed when you're in a monogamous relationship. So, like, when you make that 
conscious choice to be fully communicative you have to take the good the bad with all that that like person just feels kind of crappy that day and doesn't like like themselves as much and you've kind of take that on with of, I will help you or I will let re- reassure you in a way that uh, sometimes you don't do that in monogamous relationships so sometimes there's that, that emotional labor scheduling <laughs> <laughs> that is maybe the number one answer that we get to that question yeah I, I but I, 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 I was talking to my partner the other day too and I said you know I feel like because he has some established like he's building relationships with people and I have like a bunch of fun people who I date and I'm kind of okay with it but I feel like I should want more but so I kind of have some internal stuff with that but then I'm like no I'm in school full time you have a lot on your plate yeah I would much rather at this point in my life kind of just have fun casual things and if the right person comes along to build more with then be open to it but not really looking for anything else because i think that would be like my whole schedule would go to crap and (laughs) it would be a mess so very relatable yes (laughs) um but yeah i think that that's pretty much it like the scheduling and then kind of like focusing i mean i don't think it's the the healing part of it's really the best part though like being able to talk more about that like when i feel insecure so dumb stuff will happen like um the other day, my partner was texting one of his partners a little more. We were in the same room together. And I was like, we weren't doing anything, though. We weren't interacting. But I felt kind of insecure about it. And then I kind of stopped and went, well, are, am I asking for attention right now? Am I, we're just watching TV and it's something he's already seen. Like, why do I feel this way? And I'm able to kind of go down and work through, like, my own issues of self-worth or my own trauma from past relationships and kind of figure out a lot of that, it, how that goes. So that, that's been a good thing, like kind of just like the first couple of dates he went on and he was out later or something like that. Like that was a little rough a couple times for me, you know, and then you just kind of really revalidate, you know, like this doesn't mean anything. This is not about me. That's about what he's doing with this person. And this is him being able to go and express himself and be fully himself. And that's a good thing. And kind of reminding myself, like putting that positive stuff back in. Yeah. So that's kind of, you know, like I think every every once in a while, no matter what, you get those feelings. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's a real good opportunity for growth yeah i'm like when i think back to even when i was a kid and how i had one best friend Mm -hmm. and if she hung out with other people i got mad right i seriously i i think back to that and i'm like i was not even just a different person i was the opposite person of who i am now you know like i was like i was jealous of my friends and to a point that that i would like not talk to them for the rest of the day because i was like pissed about it and i was like what the fuck well you <laughs> didn't have any skills to do nope, anything no and I, you know it was like them talking about yeah. like being a fourth grader you know yeah no well <laughs> so, but i've so experienced young. those emotions i have um locally like one really really close female friend i have a lot of other best friends kind of throughout the country because we've all moved around and stuff by this point um and then she has another best friend that she's <laughs> called her best friend too and i remember that like one time i felt like but, but I'm your best friend. <laughs> so like, I don't think it's it's just even in romantic relationships. No. I think that it's it's just it's a value prop like about our own personal value and what we're bringing to things, mm-hmm. right? And that it, there's some human nature in there that you know pops up, and yeah. you then get to choose how you're going to deal with it. Yes, and I think that's the the best part is kind of. Because societally, we're kind of pushed into this, like, be the best, always achieving, number one, like, all this stuff. Right. And somebody's going to be your one and only. Oh, yeah, that's, yeah. Which, I mean, I, I'm married and divorced twice, so that doesn't... <laughs> so you no longer have that fantasy. 
No, I have a fantasy of being able to find someone, at least one person to grow old with. And um, But even now, I kind of envision more like I've been researching intentional cohabitation, like uh, not in the house, but like the communities. They're like, they're, I'm like, they're not communes, <laughs> but they're kind of right. close. More like mm-hmm. a co-op, maybe yeah. apartment building. Yeah, I'm like, oh gosh, that ability of just that community thing is so awesome. And that's... Definitely, like, in this chapter of my life where I'm going to build, and that's what I'm putting all my energy toward. That makes sense. Yeah. We had an episode about that. Uh, well, someone who grew up in a in an intentional community like that in California. Super cool. Yeah. They're probably awesome. the most well-adjusted person ever. Maybe. I don't, I don't know. know. I would just assume She also that... said it was kind of chaos growing up there being uh, a kid, you know? I guess I can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although they do seem to be a person that can deal with conflict really well and very mm-hmm. straightforward, which I think they probably established growing up in this community where you have to deal with conflict or potentially get out of the community. Right. <laughs> you know? Well, yeah. Yeah, become I mean, homeless. Yeah. Yeah. Think about how many people like grow up with no skills because their yeah. families don't teach it or they're, they're, you know, I made the mistake, so I don't judge anybody for doing this of being like, no, I'm going to stay in this relationship for the kids in a really unhealthy mm, place. Yeah. And then I think now, you know, one of my, my oldest child we have guardianship of, he, he said to me the other uh, while back, he's like, you know, I never knew adults actually liked each other in uh-huh. relationships until I saw you and talking about me and my partner. Yeah. Um, he's like, because I always just thought it was like for the money or just mm. for the kids. Like, I didn't think people actually could feel love mm-hmm. when they grew up. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, Whoa. and that was like the deepest thing anyone's ever said to me because I'm like, God, how many of us do that? Yeah. How many of us just like stay in loveless relationships or things where we're not thriving because we think it's better for the kids when they're modeling and seeing all of it? Yeah. I grew up with parents and with uh, my siblings also having relationships that were just bad, yeah, were bad where people cheated on each other, where people were dishonest and and mean, mm-hmm. just literally mean to each other. And so, yeah, I definitely grew up thinking well we're all doomed you know yeah, like this is right like, not only is monogamy probably not gonna work but like maybe relationships never work you know and it took me a while to be like oh no it's just they're just bad at this yeah <laughs> right they just don't have it's a, a good idea yeah, yeah exactly well and one of the things that drove me to leave my marriage was feeling like what am i modeling for my kids in terms mm. of what relationships look like mm-hmm. and that was the final nudge that pushed me over the edge like maybe i could keep fucking up my own life but i don't want to model this is what an adult relationship looks like yeah i think for me it was the moment that i realized that i had recreated my parents relationship mm. like that sort that sort of That'd dynamic so terrifying. and <laughs> someone of my other friends at one point said that that's what we it, we kind of if things are not resolved from our childhood or from our earlier like the relationships of our parents we either we get into them to try to fix them oh until we fix ourselves mm-hmm. because as kids you don't have any power over it so you you kind of your patterns in adulthood are that that like subconscious fixing thing the things you know yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. that's like wow. that makes a lot of sense <laughs> <laughs> yeah so self-work is most important do mm-hmm. it first all right so that was still on the question was most difficult yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was a great long <laughs> i'm a little answer. loquacious <laughs> we don't know anything about that <laughs> so when did you know you were polyamorous or do you? you? No, I am. That's how you died okay, I yeah. am. Um, I think it was more, again, I've kind of had leanings. So it was this this year really was kind of doing intentional research. Because um, <laughs> for the longest time, anytime it came up, I'd have like this draw to it. And I'd be like, no, this is bad. Mm. Better wrong, better wrong, better right. wrong. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, no, I'm going to, you know, have a 
one person and we'll be really you'll be my best friend and my you know all of this and yeah um <laughs> did you bring it up in the relationship or did my partner, partner actually partner did mm-hmm. um and then we just had a discussion i mean no one was like hey let's do it it became sure. a it became just kind of a conversation and it wasn't about hey i want to date other people it was more like hey you know i, I used to cuddle with my friends and i loved it and i wonder why that's wrong and that's kind mm-hmm. of how we started the conversation. What a great approach to the conversation. Yeah. yeah. Let's talk about it as a as a topic, not as a, a potential future. Well, yeah. and not to go into his stuff too much, but I know that he's not, uh, like, he's still figuring himself out completely and, and going through a lot of that part of it. But that's the one, there's, there's some great things that no matter what happens that I think that we both have learned. One, I've really learned to individualize my relationship with my children. Um, so as opposed to waiting to do stuff as a family and all of that, like, oh, no, the kids and I want to go to the cat cafe, for example, like partners allergic to cats. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to go versus in the past, I would have just not gone. Mm, yeah. And, or, you know, anything like that. Like I took um, the kids to Six Flags by myself for the first time this summer, which is something I just never would have done before. So kind of really getting outside of my comfort zone and really working on like being active and building that so they can don't have to always see us together. Yeah. Um, which is a great thing. So there's that. And I think the other part is uh, being able to learn just, again, how to communicate, like, your needs. Because even in my relationship with my partner, is so like, it's, like, the best ever. Like, I'm so thankful to have him in my life. But I would still, like, if I needed, like, I felt like I needed, like, a date night or whatever, wouldn't necessarily say anything before. Whereas now I'm like, hey, I need attention, like, right now. Or when you can schedule it in the next couple of days, like... You know, this is what I would like to do. And I become very vocal about what I want in the relationship. That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a skill. I believe learning how to ask for what you want and identify your needs and then specifically ask for someone to help you meet them is a big challenge for women. It's not something we grow up practicing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, definitely. And yeah, it's... it's, I mean, there's plenty of people who are born men or you know people who are wherever on the gender spectrum who also have that challenge but i do think that statistically we probably fall into that zone more yeah it's the you know, be polite make other people happy more so mm. than yourself and mm. yeah it's i'm working on that exact thing your, with my therapist yeah, yeah. <laughs> sacrifice yourself for right. the greater good of everyone else yeah. right mm-hmm. especially the children oh the poor children mm-hmm. yes like they're not going to be their own individuals otherwise yeah yeah <laughs> Uh, so when would you say you felt different or do you, or do you feel different? I, don't I know. mean, I feel like I the way I've always felt because yeah. I actually just came out as bi this year as well. I've always been bi. I've always gone through things, but I never really acknowledged it for a lot of a various amount of different reasons. Um, so like this year, it's like I finally feel at peace with myself in a way that mm. I've never felt before because I've been able to say, no, this is who I am and have language again, to, to express that. Whereas b- before, like, I, I always felt like I never really quite fit in anywhere with it. Like, there would be individual people I could connect with, but not with a group of people. So this is the first, and then being part of the poly community here, and then my my church family, and just kind of the, the queer community in general. Like, I'm like, oh, these are my people. I, I feel like I can fully be myself, and this is great. And I don't feel as, like, anxious and insecure around people as I used to. That's fantastic. Yeah. So where would you say you are on your poly journey? (laughs) That's a weird question. I I think, I mean, I don't think you ever know where you are on a journey until you get like past it. So that's a, 
Um, well, our next question is, uh, where do you hope to go in your poly journey? So do you have, do you have goals of uh, like, cause you seem like you're, if you, if all of this is starting this year, that's relatively new. So uh, yeah. do you have, uh, Just ideas? Be happy. <laughs> <laughs> Live. You know, I have a lot of goals, uh, back in school, like a lot of things I'm hoping to do, um, as far as work to kind of heal Milwaukee and, uh, work on criminal justice reform and like a lot of stuff I'm going to school for where I say I'm very goal oriented. I just want to continue to learn about myself and become a better version of me and help my partners to become a better, better versions of themselves and my kids and my friends and build community. So that's, I guess, where I am and where I want to be. <laughs> that's cool. awesome. Yeah. So why would you say or why do you think you are poly? Because it made sense. Like it's, it's the only relationship style that I looked at that makes logical sense to me. I I feel like monogamy, and it doesn't mean you have to have like, like I'm currently, I have one sexual partner. Um, it's just where I'm at currently. Um, so it's not like I'm like, everybody should be out there fucking mm-hmm. everybody. And you know, I mean, that's all an individual of choice. Of course they should. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's all individual choices. Right. Um, and, and I'm not particularly there. Um, one, because it takes me a while to warm up um the people you're gonna really like the episode before yours well i'm not demi though because i think about it like i want to jump everybody's bones i just don't do it (laughs) oh that's a very interesting (laughs) distinction yes like i'm like oh yeah they're hot let me get some of that and then i'm like but let me get to know them first so that yeah (laughs) so i don't think it's about like necessarily like any sort of action as much as a plate way of being and thinking um and again the more i've read about about the work that's done, the more people who I've met, everyone who I've met who's uh, married or in, you know, in a relationship that's poly seems so freaking happy with their relationships comparatively to the people who I know who are monogamous. And I think a lot of that is choice and intention. And, and I know that there's relationship problems with every, you know, like there's unhealthy relationships in every way that people can be re- relationed. Um, <laughs> but it seems like it's a much healthier, more mature mentality. And I think that's kind of why, like I was drawn to it. And yeah. So why did you agree to be interviewed? Well, I have a podcasting fantasy. Mm-hmm. Um, Ooh. <laughs> I, I actually, I don't know what I want to talk about, but I'd love to start my own eventually. Um, the idea of it, and I'm kind of addicted to podcasts. So that was pretty cool. And I like to talk. So. <laughs> <laughs> I did a radio show with my friend was at Marquette like 25 years ago or something like that. And um, I, we had a little radio show and I loved it. So mm-hmm. it's kind of always been something that was like, like a fun little Thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I started get that. this because I was obsessed with podcasts. Yeah, so I'm listening to like eight hours of podcasts a day. I should just try to create my right. content. Yeah, I have like I said, my list is so like I took a six hour drive um, to Illinois to visit a friend of mine not too long ago, and I'm like I get to catch up on all my podcasts. Mm-hmm. This is amazing. <laughs> yeah, that's like the best. I don't listen yeah. to music at all anymore. Yeah, <laughs> I listen to music in the shower, and that's it. No podcast. I can't really hear. I can't really hear the podcast well enough in the shower. So. We have this JBL speaker. And is then we put it out there and it's waterproof. waterproof. Oh, wow. But it's super loud. So we just put it on the sink and oh. we just listen to our podcast in the shower. Oh, my God. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And then my whole home is connected by Google so I can play my podcasts <laughs> through the whole house when I'm alone. It's amazing. You ever get to be alone with five kids in your house? Well, when they're in school. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, okay. Oh, but I'll be at campus now this semester. Last semester, I did everything online. So I was at home for like the majority of the day by myself, which was nice. But yeah, occasionally. Me and one teenager and the teenager, you know, they hide in their room at that age. So for sure. Yeah. All right. So we're going to take a short break and we will be right back. The Toolshed is a mission-driven, education-based sex toy store located in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 
More than your typical adult store, the Toolshed provides quality, body-safe products that enhance the sexual lives and relationships of their customers, and they do it all in a comfortable, compassionate, and welcoming atmosphere. Not located near Milwaukee? That's okay. The Toolshed's online shop at www.toolshedtoys.com serves customers all over the world. The Toolshed strives to be the source for accurate, up-to-date information about sexual health and pleasure. Their store is staffed by sexual educators who are invested in providing sex-positive and inclusive support to their customers throughout their lifespan, no matter where they're from. The Toolshed stocks a large selection of products made from body-safe materials. They have sex toys for folks of all genders, orientations, and inclinations, including gear for strap-on play, vibrators to stimulate a variety of body parts, BDSM gear, kink supplies, and much more. The Toolshed is also proud to offer a large inventory of gender expression supplies like binders, soft packers, shaping underwear, and breast forms. Last but not least, the Toolshed stocks lots of great books on topics like ethical non-monogamy, how to negotiate consent, kinky play, sexual pleasure, sexual health, and so much more. They've got over 500 different titles in stock at their Milwaukee location and host a regular monthly book club too. Every day, the Toolshed staff answers questions about products, pleasure, health, and relationships, all without shame or stigma. The Toolshed also offers in-person and online private consultations for people who have in-depth questions about any of those things, as well as other subjects like communication and relationships, establishing healthy boundaries, fertility basics, alternative menstrual products, and other topics folks deal with every day as sexual beings. You can visit the Toolshed in person at 2427 North Murray Avenue in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, or you can check out our online store at www.toolshedtoys.com. From now through the end of 2019, you can use promo code POLY2019, P-O-L-Y-2019, at checkout for 10% off your next purchase. Thanks. All right, so we are back. And uh, the topic that we're going to talk about today, which you've already kind of brought up, is is religion and spirituality and Christianity while poly. Yeah. So can you give us a little insight on how that works for you? Um, <laughs> <laughs> we were just talking about ums on the break, too, and there I go with the big one. Uh, the, I cut them out. <laughs> uh, I've always had, so I grew up, off and on in the church and I've always had a strong pull toward religion I read like a bunch of stuff but I was way too young to really like be I don't know why I was interested in religion in like middle school but like I like read through like Dante's Inferno and like Whoa. I know I didn't understand half of it but I read it um and you, you just, were an interesting kid yeah I was I was always a little weird it's <laughs> a little bookish um but can't relate at all no <laughs> <laughs> but I so I did like a lot of reading and you know, experimenting and thinking and going back and forth. And I've always had this idea of God that is like a, the best way to describe it, it's like a diamond, like in the sky, right? Like, so let's say God is a diamond and then light's kind of going through it and the, the prisms are like the light that comes through all the rainbows that come out of the prism are all like the different ways we interpret God. Ooh, okay. So that's kind of always been my personal philosophy on what God is because I I never could understand it. I grew up in like evangelical, like anti, anti, like everything. evolution. Yeah. Every, yes. Anti everything churches. And so like, like I even went to their like evolution is not real seminars where they had like, Ooh, like dinosaurs the, are fake. Yeah. And they had like, this, you can see that, 
if you, you know, they talk about rocks, but there's a whale fossilized on its tail, and that couldn't happen if you believe in it. Like, it's just this weird propaganda stuff. And they were like, well, yeah. They, they had, had a booth at the state fair last year. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I back. remember them. Yeah, I remember them. <laughs> they, they also would do these, like, real, like, scary movies about, like, the end times when Christians are going to be prosecuted and put into camps, and then, you know, the mark of the beast. And, and so we have to prepare and be not willing to yeah, give up Jesus Christ and be killed for it. Like, there's this whole, like, how comforting even. to a small child oh my gosh i used I, especially one with anxiety oh uh, no <laughs> <laughs> it's like i used to think about uh armageddon like way too much before i was even 10 years old oh my god yeah i couldn't say that like you know now i lay me down to sleep prayer because it was like if i die before i wake i was like i'm gonna die it's gonna oh. be horrible oh <laughs> Yeah. Um, you had a very impressionable mind. I did. I did. And <laughs> well, and a lot of kids do. Yeah. Because absolutely. it's brought up as this is truth. Um, and as I've gotten older, like I've, I've, I've spent time in the church and out of the church. And a lot of times when I've gone to churches, the church I went to most recently before the one I'm at now um, was like I just did a lot of mental gymnastics when I'd be in the sermon because a lot of the stuff even in like non-denominational more conservative churches that they teach not the crazy fire and brimstone ones like that first church but like most churches that are there today it's positive stuff right it's about like they take about like realizing and how to be kind and loving thy neighbor and stuff what they don't do is give you that little asterisk that says yeah you're gonna love them but then you want to remind them that you know pray for them that they're doing the wrong thing and all that kind of stuff love them but judge them right (laughs) right right and so i found the church that i go to now um and i go to a a church plant here in milwaukee um so the name of the church is zao mke um can you say that again zao mke okay so it is a church plant so what is a church plant so in the so I am not the, like the, the most F for I've just never heard yeah. the term before. So whenever a new church wants to get started, um, they'll go to there's there's actually corporations that do church planting um, in the more non-denominational sector where they actually have it's crazy marketing it's like startup stuff mm-hmm. okay um it's yeah like it's into like what neighborhood are you going to go into um there's like a popularity if you go into like quickly gentrifying neighborhoods because then you can get the hipsters into church if you offer like coffee and like the whole <laughs> thing with it that's Whoa. not this type of that's that's a whole like okay. nerd side thing that i listen to a podcast on mm-hmm. um but uh, it reminds me of that movie saved where they were like at the skate parks trying yeah to, right like, save people and that's and, not yeah, it, that's not tr- christian rock concerts yeah Oh, yeah, those ones are crazy. I've been to a bunch of those, too. Um, Wow. I'm learning so much. But, but like, Zhao, my my pastor is trans. Um, Their husband is trans as well. Um, And he's he's a black trans man. And they were like, you know what? We've been on the margins for so long. What would church look like if we created it? Interesting. So um, they created this church, and it's based on three premises. And so it's Jesus-centered. So that meaning not Jesus, like precious moments, white baby Jesus, not that one, (laughs) like the activist Jesus who's flipping tables over and like speaking up for marginalized (laughs) people. That's our Jesus. Okay, cool. Um, So Jesus centered, um, which leads Jesus centered, just Jesus rooted, justice centered. So the um, because if you are following Jesus who was flipping over tables and standing up for the marginalized, it makes sense that you would be too. So there's a lot of, they've been doing a lot of work, um, the close of the camp stuff, uh, the unionization of the CapTel um, people, like they were down there 
a bunch of people I know from church were down there. There's a, a protest on the second, um, but very active in the streets. Um, my actually, my pastor, Pastor Jonah, had been a, a community organizer prior to um, opening this church. And then because we're, we are uh, justice-centered, we're also radically inclusive. So we believe people can bring them their whole selves to church. Church should be a community um, that works to center people of color and trans and, and LGBTQ people because those people in most churches and in most parts of society are not centered. So they are the ones who we center at our church and try to build up. You know, if we're doing a food drive or something like that, like we're, we're prioritizing people of color and trans and LGBT people with that. So really... It's a great place. Like we have people in our community who are atheists. We have people in our community who are. Um, I know I'm not the only poly person in the community. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a variety. How of did us. you find this place? Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know a couple other people in the poly group who are in who are in that um, yeah. church. Yeah, absolutely. yeah. yeah. Um, and you know, it's a. So being able to find a space, one that allowed me to practice the faith that I've carried with me, and in the way that I believe it and because that's huge because again there's a lot of progressive Christians out there there's a lot of left-wing Christians I, gr- I grew up in a left-wing yeah. Christian church but um, it was a mainline denomination it looked very traditional well and we're we're Wesleyan uh see this is the part that I get really confused I almost actually reached out to my pastor to be like can you give me some talking points <laughs> how do I say this mm-hmm. yeah um because <laughs> I'm not I, I'm not we're based in the Methodist denomination okay so that's kind of where our parent denomination is we you know it's a Wesleyan theology I believe is the terminology which is just kind of a way of interpreting um and that's that's beyond my that's like 500 okay level there we go classes. yes <laughs> okay that's okay I think we probably are like uh-huh, uh-huh. yeah 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 yeah. Speaking about stuff. yeah 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 so yeah like okay so this is a thing I've heard those words yes <laughs> they're all English um, <laughs> I know they're churchy mm-hmm. <laughs> right um so we we come in and you know we have communion we you know we do very churchy things but we also have a testimony every single week of someone kind of talking about what their experiences are or what led them there or whatever's kind of going on. Our sermon series for summer was Sunday school horror stories. <laughs> so the first one was on the on Garden of Eden and like that whole story, which I like because most people who aren't even Christian know about that one, like Adam and Eve and there was a garden and then they were bad and God said, you're bad, go away. And that's, it was a very different interpretation that we did. And it wasn't that God kicked us out of the garden. It was that we, based on the stuff in our, our just how we are as our human BS stuff, don't see the garden that's all around us. Oh, and interesting. Like, it, it's it just some, some really great ways of looking at, you know, these stories that were yeah, written for people. You see what you expect to see right. so much. That's a really interesting interpretation. Yeah, it's about, yeah, so not so much that we were kicked out. We just, we you know, God was like, you know... She's like, don't necessarily, you know, I don't recommend this. Like, if you choose to do it, it's your choice, but you might not, you might get lost, you know, and beg them not to. And then they did it because people have free will and then they got lost, you know, versus the other part of it being this is knowledge and you can't know, you know, um, very different kind of a philosophy on it. Um we also don't do the whole, like, you're not worthy of God's love, which is a lot of things in Christian churches. They'll be like, you know, you're not worthy, but Jesus died for you anyway. And it's like, no, you're worthy. That's what God loves you. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus loves you. And that's why this all this happens, you know, or this is why these, these stories were written like this, to remember that you're worthy. 
and you're worthy of love and you're worthy of feeling whole. So this is that's sort of the the difference in it for me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that's kind of the what the church this church that I'm a part of is now is about, which has been really affirming for me because again. I don't have to do mental gymnastics every time I go to church. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and that was one of my uh, like main talking points is how, how do you deal with conflict with religion and the like scripture and, and how much it tells people like us that we aren't worthy or that we are wrong or that we're doing the wrong thing. The, the biggest piece that I don't understand with this, and this is for people who believe still, a lot of Christians look at the old Testament for the rules on how to behave if you're a Christian and you're abiding by what the Bible says, the Bible says that all the rules in the Old Testament were rules that were there for society before Jesus came. And when Jesus came, he says, I created a new covenant. So like uh, the covenant between like of all the rules and stuff was between God and the people prior to that. And when Jesus came, he flipped over tables and said, y'all don't need to do this anymore. Love, you know. And and if you kind of look at, like, if you look at everything Jesus talked about, it was about radical love. So I don't understand, like, in my brain, like, I look at especially, like, poly or LGBT, like, radical love is not gendered. Mm-hmm. It's not class. It's not in a confine of marriage. I mean, even if you look at the confines of, like, or what marriage was 2,000 years ago, it wasn't what it is today, mm-hmm. you know. So I, that's kind of where I'm like, how can you say that? You know, Jesus literally said, I am the new covenant. I am here. This is what I'm doing for you. Um, so don't listen to this stuff anymore. And they still are like, but it says in Leviticus. Mm-hmm. Like it also says you can't eat shrimp. But mm-hmm. I saw you. And you can't wear uh, right. cotton poly blend. Right. Or get a tattoo. And I see a lot of y'all with tattoos in these like, you know. Of Leviticus. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Right. There's a lot of stuff that was there that. I mean, in some of it, too, like the anti-pork stuff, like 2,000 years ago, pork's a pretty, if you know about meats, like pork's got like a lot of bacterium in it. So like 2,000 years ago when things couldn't be treated and like put away for well, like that was probably a good knowledge to like not get food poisoning. Yeah. Or, you know, certain stuff like, the, you know, seafood, like mm-hmm. crustaceans and stuff. If you eat seafood and it's not, you know, shellfish, it can go bad really easy. Mm-hmm. So if you don't have proper refrigeration for the shellfish... So those types of things might have made sense. And even Leviticus, from what I've, the little bit I've read, and I'm by no means a theo- theologian, um, that was initially like, don't don't lay with men like you do women, was more about how they were anti-women back in the day. Like, don't treat another man like you would a woman. Oh, not, that's not, so insulting. Right, right. <laughs> not like, don't be gay. It had nothing to do with homosexuality until the 20th century. Mm-hmm. Even the middle church, like, what worked with... There was gay brother marriage or something like that that they called it in up until like the 1300s. Well, I actually listened. I don't know if it was a This American Life episode or something where they were talking about how even referencing like stories in the Bible as being truth wasn't a thing until like the 20th century. Right. Um, like they were like, no, these are stories. No, like Adam and Eve is a story. And, right. and this like is Cinderella get, is a story. Right. These are things to to learn lessons by and maybe right, they're fables morality yeah. lessons sure but they are fables yes they are uh, stories and it wasn't until i don't know maybe uh more modern day times in which they were like oh, we really have to we really can't i don't know how to explain it but like we we can't backstep on on how strong we feel about this right no this is fact like this is all of this really happened and we have to believe in it well and one of the things i find really interesting whenever i'm in like a a sermon 
is when you bring up the cultural differences and like so um the situation kind of like abraham was supposed to sacrifice his son and like that was a something like the sacrifice of people and the sacrifice of of you know cat that was very common in that time frame so like there was a whole different like method to that story and like a lot of modern day christians would be like see no his faithfulness was that he was going to kill his son and i think that the um this is from last week's sermon so, mm-hmm. <laughs> so this is not my own thoughts this is from what, kind of what pastor jonah said but like really it was that he stopped that he listened to god's voice saying you don't need to do this that would have been more the, the faithfulness because it would have gone against everything culturally at the time whereas so we hear it from a very different lens than they did two thousand years ago the peoples did and what their culture was and and kind of the things that they looked at and the idea that you can read things with a modern day lens that happened 2000 years ago and not dig into the history of it is kind of dumb yeah 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 (laughs) yeah so yeah i don't know that's um you know my my take on on religion is if you if you have it if it works for you that's great if it doesn't i don't think i don't think it matters i don't think god's up there i don't i can't live in a world or or believe in a god that's so insecure (laughs) that he needs everybody to love him to feel loved for other people. I think that God loves and he or she, um, depending on whatever, because God is not gendered, um, what, that whatever you choose or whatever helps you to get through and get to your inner self, whether it's, you know, meditation or sitting in nature or going to church, you know, those things can help you to become a more whole person. And that's that's what that love is about, not about glorifying God as much as it's about becoming as much of much like god or as much enlightened or whatever word you want to use you know one of the other things i kind of think about too like in the story aspect of it is like so people are kind of familiar i try to think of big stories people are kind of familiar with even if they didn't grow up in a church the stories of like the loaves and fishes that you know so there's like three different interpretations that you could have there's like the magical one like no he literally made all the loaves and fishes there's the one that he worked and delegated as an organizer through <laughs> to his people and said hey go out and find all these loaves and fishes we've got all these people we need to feed them or my favorite is that by that presence the spirit of community came alive and everybody shared the little bit they had and miraculously it was enough to feed the whole and that kind of goes into a lot of the kind of like collaborative hippy dippy stuff that i kind of believe but Mm -hmm. like in the you know we have enough on this planet so that everyone could have enough food and shelter and all of that but we are greedy as people and like to hoard it's kind of like monogamy in a way (laughs) (laughs) people like to hoard stuff versus being like here it's there and everyone can be happy and satisfied so i don't know that's kind of where that stuff goes with it that's cool uh, how does your feminism um, interplay with Christianity? So, again, a lot of times the, the Jesus I believe in stood up for people in the margins. There's plenty of stories with Jesus where Jesus was interacting with unnamed women or women there. And that that thought if 2000 years ago was kind of unheard of. The fact, you know, when he rose again, the first person he came to was Mary Magdalene, a woman. People don't believe women. They couldn't testify in court at that time. Like, that he would go to the least of us and to give that knowledge. So to me, I I think that Christianity, in the essence that I believe it in, is feminist in nature and inclusive in nature because it's 
is telling us that those who are marginalized need to be, you know, everyone is, is equal and deserving of love and, and yeah, equi- equitability, equitability. Yeah. So that's kind of where I look at that with it. Um, I have a real problem with the evangelical, like the religious right <laughs> at this point. Yeah. Uh, you know, one of the things that's kind of funny too is, did you know that the Protestant religious right didn't, was not anti-abortion until the eighties? I kind of did know that. So they were pro-abortion because the Catholics, they were anti-abortion <laughs> and they were really against and each other. Against sure. And even after Roe versus Wade, it was nothing. It was with the, like the uptake during the Reagan years of like, we need to mobilize this conservative voting block that they changed their tune. And if you look, there's documents that show like one year. Again, this is all stuff I've heard from podcasts. I don't have sources right now. It was just a random okay. podcast. <laughs> but you like could go back in. They, they there would be references of them being like, "No, it's okay." So all of a sudden, they're like, "No, it's it's the horrible and life begins at conception and all of that." So that's not even like Christian. That's like political bullshit. Mm-hmm. Well, and there are actually sections of the Talmud mm-hmm. that give specific instructions if you have a woman who is pregnant and the choices between saving the unborn baby and the mother, your responsibility is to save the mother because she already exists and is a human being with needs and right. a life. And mm. like, and here's how, and then also here's how you do it. Like medically, like yeah. here's the instructions for what to do. Oh, that's neat. I didn't know about that. I had a friend who um, did a lot of work in that area mm-hmm. uh, as an undergraduate. Yeah. It's, it's crazy to me. I mean, if you, I mean, we, we can look back at how, how people have used religion to oppress and hurt people from the beginning of time, you know, the beginning of time, whether it was Charlemagne coming and converting the heathens and moving Christ, or Christmas to December to take away from their holidays to, you know, they, they used it as a form of, you know, to glorify slavery at certain points. Like there's, there's always been a group of people, and that's the, that's the key word, people who will use things to keep, to keep and gain power. But our responsibility, my belief is our responsibility as people, as if as followers is to say, no, that's not right. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. no, um, because it's so anti everything that Jesus talked about. And and whether Jesus was a real person or not, or that, that, that's I don't care. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't believe in hell. I, I believe in reincarnation or some sort of spiritual afterlife thing. You know, I I don't think it matters in my faith what happens after I die I don't think it's the end just I don't but if someone else does then they do um I also don't think that religion is needed for people to be moral mm-hmm. which is a big thing that people will say like oh no if you're not afraid of God but it's sort of the same thing with like people who are pro-criminal justice they're like oh my gosh if we don't have rules for everything everyone's just gonna do everything bad mm-hmm. versus like realizing that people like a sense of morality is in the majority of people. People try to be good for the majority of like there's of course always outliers and things. Yeah. But yeah. Like no one really ever wants to hurt anybody. Even like the biggest asshole in the world. Like they don't necessarily go around going, I'm just gonna be an asshole. They just look from their perspective and think that they're doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I guess the one thing is that for people, especially people who who've been hurt by the church because um, my church does a lot of community outreach stuff. Like we were at Pride Fest. Um, it was really cool. Got to be in the parade with my kids. That was awesome. Um, you know, we were at, they they did something for the 
River West 24. Um, they're at you know, Center Street Days. Like, they do a lot of community outreach. And it's never a, like, I've done tabling for them. And it's never a grab after people. It's like, no, we just let people know that we're here. Because sometimes even just knowing that there's a church that accepts people, even if someone's not ready on their journey, just to know that there's some place religiously where they could go and be is enough. And mm-hmm. if people are looking for it, they'll seek out. It's not my job to. The idea that it's somebody's job to go out and like evangelize like forcefully mm-hmm. is ridiculous. Which is like me. the main tenet of most religions. It's like add more members. Well, and that is. No, I believe that that, you know, God does call us to go out and, and make more followers. Like, I think that's one of the things that the, the disciples said. Now, it's not go out and force people. Right. I'm living my life. Like, I want to be there as a beacon and I'll, I'll talk about what I believe. If you're curious, you'll come. Right. You know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yelling at somebody on a street corner is not going to get them to the. It really doesn't. No. Yeah. No. Not at all. <laughs> no. And. Well, and I actually wanted to talk about like church as a community because I'm as like a poly leader, I'm a very community focused and community. I think it's very, very helpful to yeah. people. So as a community, I think that churches can be really great. Yes. Even if they have kind of a not as ideal uh, uh like dogma yeah yeah dogma yeah. as as uh, your church does but um i see a lot of people that go into churches specifically because they don't really have any community and and that can be a really awesome thing that was absolutely so i am not particularly religious but when my older child was born we were living in another state and we didn't really have people and we had neighbors who invited us to go to church with them mm-hmm. and we knew from the invitation that they must be progressive because you're not going to invite the queer woman across the street. Probably. Right, right. Yeah, um, that's fair. And, but they made a point of also telling us that it was. And, you know, like I went a couple times and then we ended up actually really falling in love with the community. And, you know, my did I ever agree with like all the doctrine? No, no. Um, but, you know, they were OK with that. And they were people who wanted to like take care of my child for two hours and let me sit with nobody touching me for yeah (laughs) it was great like at a time in my life where that is really was my biggest unmet need and that's so i i've always like my personally like i say my biggest two things are community and connection those are like my my words of emphasis i don't do uh, like resolutions every year it's words of emphasis or areas of emphasis i create new possibilities right right like yeah because i think the yeah the, the otherwise you're just gonna fail so that's been really big for for me in this this avenue of my life and being able to have a community where if someone needs something i can and i can give it like by all means, you know, having a place where people feel safe and a lot of like the members of my church are young early 20s kids which at that age and they're coming from different different areas some some parents are supportive some not so much some are coming from bad you know so when they can kind of see like my family and you know be able to have that like okay no I'll be your mom come on in you know (laughs) well and it also gives them the opportunity to imagine a future that they might want that is that looks like a family yes yeah um I've actually become a resource too so my um one of my children is trans and then I have another child that's gender non-conforming and being able to how we're navigating it to get them the medical services that they need so they can get on testosterone and start their transition and those types of things. Um, there's been a couple of other people who've like, like my friends like, Oh, yeah, this person lives in, you know, so-and-so like Illinois in my hometown. Like, you know, I'm not a mom, so I don't know how to 
talk like how what, what is your philosophy and and internally for me it makes me okay i'm doing something right good mm-hmm. <laughs> people are recognizing okay Whew. but also um to be able to be a resource for people because it, it is like that's something that's there's not a lot of resources for so how can i how can i be there to help you know help build that next generation of parents or or family or whatever that's going to be inclusive so that in 20 years being trans will be so much less stigmatized than it is today Mm-hmm. And that's how, you know, community is the way you do it, like being vocal and being there as a resource. And, you know, sometimes I think it frustrates my kiddos because they're, they're just like, I just want to be. And I'm like, but I think that we have a bigger responsibility to the <laughs> world than just to ourselves. <laughs> and they roll their eyes at me and, you know. Yeah, but you know what? It's still seeping in there. And they oh, yeah. might be rolling their eyes for the next 10 years, but, you know, mm-hmm. 15, 20 years down the road, they're like, oh, yeah. Yeah, and it's it's helped me too being able to speak to you know some people who are ten years older than my kids, and being able to say, hey, you know, at what age? Because I've never dealt with gender issues. I'm cis female. Like I've never I've never questioned that. I can draw parallels somewhat to my sexuality in the way that I was not accepted and repressed a lot from that. And I think a lot of that had to do with being raised in certain churches and not fully. You know, you just want to, I just want to, you just want to be normal. I just want to be normal. And you know, so there was a big portion of that. But, you know, I, I haven't ever walked in those shoes. So being able to have people who are comfortable educating me, because that's another thing, too. People don't, people who don't know who mean well will go and talk to people without getting their consent and ask people to do a lot of emotional labor. Yeah. Right. Um, so, like, to be, hey, I'm willing to do the emotional labor on my end and being able to have people I can go to who are willing to do emotional labor for me, like, that's, that's huge. Yeah. So, yeah. Because the internet only does so much. And it's so hard, even with whether it's, you know, I, I look at the research I've done even on poly, there's so much gatekeeping and, like, ridiculous, like, unicorn hunting, um, we're going to find our third and that's what they're getting into poly for is so they have this idealized version of being able to go out and like grow a person. <laughs> and tink, 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 right. Tink. I'm waving my magic wand. <laughs> um, which is, that's actually, this is a little unrelated, but it's kind of funny because that was one of the things like I was so afraid of. Um, cause I'm someone, I love the idea of, of relationship overlap, whether it's platonic or not. Like I love the idea of somebody who you love and like if we love them too, like being able just to like a big pile of love. Right. But I was so afraid of that, like getting into poly initially. Like I'm like, I don't want people to think that I'm looking for someone for both of us because I'm not. Mm-hmm. Right, right. <laughs> but if I meet it and I like you and you like me and you happen to like him and you happen to like, you know, like that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's a weird. There's right. a difference between Open forming to a it triad and, and searching and... for it. Yeah. Right. Well, no. And even just even if you, even if you are searching for a potential triad unicorn hunting is like that predatory it's very i feel like it is very different there's yeah. a distinction between a triad and unicorn hunting and the the i think ethics is the distinction correct yeah no no 100 100 percent. and that's yeah i think yeah a big like you get into any and that's gatekeeping and ethics are a big like with any community especially online because you get everybody's opinion <laughs> right <laughs> somebody's wrong on the internet <laughs> right what I thought it was all facts. Yeah. So I think that that's something, you know, again, in that building of that community, that's the more people who are willing to be able to be talked to is so much better than reading random message boards. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Or YouTube or, yeah. I also wanted to mention that you have a, a, a 
cup of water here that has a God is proud of you with a rainbow. Yeah, that's, that's and I really a, love that. It's my church's sticker. I actually have oh, a shirt really? that says that. And we have Black Lives Matter to God. Oh. And oh. then there's this one, which was one, this was a Pride Fest one. It was um, centering. It was QT, QTPOC, so queer trans people of color. Um, and it was a centering that for Pride Fest. So that was a special one for that. Mm-hmm. I can always get you some. <laughs> I have so many. Well, I yeah. just love that because because uh, we do hear so much, you know, anti LGBTQ and and homosexual yeah. rhetoric from the far right and from the religious right yeah. movement. And just seeing that, I was like, that is really refreshing. I got That's like really cool. f- at least five hugs at Pride Fest just wearing that shirt. Like people just came up to me mm-hmm. and were like, "Oh, thank you." <laughs> and it was it was just so like. You don't think about how little things like that can, like, make a difference in somebody's mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even if you're not a believer, it's right. still really refreshing that that this person who's wearing the shirt or have, has, you know, like, sporting this sticker that says God is proud of you, they believe that that their God loves you no matter what. Yeah. Like, and, and that's really nice. Yeah, mm-hmm. I do that. <laughs> I have my pride cross on the back of my backpack, oh. too. Oh, wow. All the time. Yeah. I was really excited to get that at Pride Fest. Spent way too much money at Pride Fest. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> yeah, and then I, I went to an anime convention and all the artist stuff. So I got a whole bunch. I got my little like my little bio that I got there. It's so cute. And I wish you could all see her. She's wearing this knit by Pride flag um, hair bow. <laughs> Like on a hair clip, and it's completely adorable. Yes, and it, your hair is also bisexual. Yes, pink, yeah, blue and purple. Yeah, it wasn't intended. <laughs> intended it wasn't that intended. And it was intended to be rainbowy, so there was like some yellow and green in oh. there initially, a little bit more. It all blends into yeah, it all kind it of really blends. Looks like bi pride. It hair. does look like bi pride hair. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I totally thought it was bi pride hair. It is now. It yeah. is. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, definitely. If, if you if you guys want stickers. I can. <laughs> <laughs> I can get them for you. Um, one of the things that, like, we were, like, cautioned to put them up places where nowhere where you would get fined, of course, because oh, sure. no one would ever tell you to do that. Um, but put them up places publicly, like the, the stickers when we had, we had them, because that, that message could be that, like, it could be a lifeline for somebody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's way too many people who feel so isolated. And that's that's the biggest tragedy that I can think of, like, that someone could miss the knowledge that there are there are people out there who will love you mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so yeah 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 do you have any more questions or? i don't think i do okay yeah. <laughs> thank you so much for coming on the podcast yeah thank you for listening to me ramble for a long time i was so it was a lot of fun. fun i really really enjoyed it thank you and that is it from us at Polyamory Uncensored. We have been Lindsay Miller and Katie Williams. We'd like to thank podcast husband Rob for being our sound engineer. And thank you, Lindsay, for editing this podcast so that we sound smart. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Polyamory Uncensored. Contact us at polyamoryuncensored at gmail.com if you have a listener question or a comment. And if you'd like to support us at all, you can send us a monthly contribution at anchor.fm slash polyamoryuncensored and simply click on the support this podcast button. If you'd like to support the podcast with a one-time contribution, we've set up a PayPal link to make it super easy. Thank you for your support in any amount at paypal.me slash polyamoryuncensored. We hope you've enjoyed this episode and remember, we love you. Bye.